Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodities strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the next episode of Credit Crunch in our FICC podcast stream. Uh, this is Mahesh Bemalingam. Chief European Credit Strategist at Bloomberg Intelligence. And uh, I have Zachary Swab as our guest today, Lead Portfolio Manager for High Yield at UBS Asset Management. And today we have a very interesting topic to discuss, the first default and consequences. So welcome, Zach. Thank you. So before we start, the podcast will be available on all, on all streams and all data is available on our dashboard b-i-s-t-r-t-e and uh, so let's kick off so it looks like we probably might have the first index default after 23 months uh, it, the last time we had was some sometime in the q3 2021 when i mean index default it is a bond exiting the high yield index due to uh, a default reason now the index has changed uh, rules. Previously, when a bond was rated D or SD, uh, the bond used to drop out. Yeah. Now, the rules are not D or SD. It is you have to have a bankruptcy or a failure failure to pay uh, and such related events. And you have to cross your grace period. So this bond, Foodco Bond Co, 335 million par, is still in grace period. It is not out of the index, but you, we probably might have the first default. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. Are you seeing, you know, more such distressed names in portfolio? Yeah. So thanks, Mahesh. So the implications of this are actually not that significant, whether it's the index, index rule change or whether it's do we go to a hard restructuring and therefore a hard default? You know, why are the implications of this default not significant or you know, a few more defaults you might think could come by the end of this year. Basically, a lot is in the price. You know, the credit spreads are reflected in the index spreads or the index price. Investors are aware they've had a long term history of understanding when these defaults are getting to a crescendo or when they might be pricing in a hard default, i.e. you move from triple C down to SD or D. So based on the fact a lot of it's in the price. And you can probably predict by the distress ratio, the next set of defaults that you might have a list of Mahesh. I think the implications are not actually that significant. And I'm sure we can go on to talk about the distress ratios and, and how the default outlook looks in a percentage terms. So let's let's get into, the, let's dive into the detail. So where are we now in terms of stress and distress in the high yield world? So if you, if you define stress as bonds price 60 to 80, and we define distress as bonds priced under 60, we are looking at a stress of 12.2% 12, 12 and distress of 2.6% adding up to a total of 14.8%. Now, let's put this 14.8 in historical context. At the end of Q3, September, the distress ratio was about 34%. Not that far from all-time record, by the way. The all-time record was at the pandemic. 39% and very similar to, you know, great financial crisis numbers. So 
the stress distress ratio has come down but remember even when we were at 39 or when we were at when we were at 34 we did not have an index default yeah but we are starting to see stuff now so what are your thoughts on it yeah so that's a big fall in the ratios 34 down to 14.8% so it's a giant fall so it sounds great for the asset class yes but what's actually driving these numbers so it's actually misleading if we think about it mahesh so 14.8% so how many of those names how many of that 14.8% are actually double b's that have traded down 20 30 points because of their embedded duration and the very low coupon so i would think and i'm going to guess here at least half of your 14.8% are actually not default candidates i'd actually go more than half they're actually double b's that are just because of the convexity in the bond price versus the coupon have fallen 20 30 points that's corporate perpetuals that's 2030 double b's issued with a 1.5% coupon these are trading in the 70s none in the 60s really to be fair so i think it's a little bit misleading but if we take out those double b's which are not default candidates um you know still we get to quite a low number you know the true distress ratio of 2.6% so they're they're bonds trading under 60 according to your metrics again a lot of this is flagged you know we will know the names and investors will understand the implications if they own the structure or if they don't so this is not necessary scary statistics if anything this is actually quite attractive statistics for the asset class low distress ratio of triple c's and low rated double b's we strip out the kind of the the, the double, strip out the double b so it's a low triple c single b it's quite a benign outlook to be honest uh if we think that's from us as a portfolio management team and if we talk to our clients you know our clients who invest in our wholesale institutional clients you know they're quite comfortable with this distress ratio and what it could mean for you know the 12 month forward looking default ratios which again should be 2 to 3 2 to 2 3.5% in europe right 2 to 3.5% default rate that i think is is quite high is that is that index or non index that's that's an index so that's that's taking the market the 400 billion euro high yield market and 2.5% would be as a nominal basis already quite high but as you've identified many of these names or the price is already reflected in the in the fundamentals of the index so they're already trading at 50 40 so they might have 20 30 points to lose still right but again most of the par value destruction right. happened right so in terms of portfolio loss probably not as much but in terms of headline yes we yeah. might have some defaults we have a published outlook that 2023 index default rate will probably be around 1% why because if you look at uh, the pandemic the pandemic peak in index default rate was just 1.8% so i mean we've started tracking it uh, tracking index default rates because it's a very manual process by the way yeah. there is no there is no bloomberg field that you can type now we have a bloomberg field on our dashboard where we have a history from 2019 we have never crossed 1.8% so i am mm. of the opinion that you know world hasn't shut down it's still a functioning world yes it's inflation yes there are some uh you know russia related input related core issues yeah. but we might struggle to cross one we'll see yeah. now let's talking about talking about delving deep into this 2.6% distress we can not look at market pricing but maybe look at 
forward fundamental outlook from the rating agencies. So if we look at rating agencies, you know, we've got the ratings from triple C and below where, you know, the worry starts. Yeah. So triple C and below total is about 7.6% right now. And that has dropped. 7.6% of the euro high yield market is triple C and below. It is triple yeah. C and below. Yeah. Very low, by the way. Yeah. And that has dropped from about 11.5%. That's a good thing. But what has happened in recently, in the last four or five months, is the stuff double C and below, so double C to D, yeah. has gone up from zero to now about 10 bonds, four and a half billion. So probably that gets to your point, like, you know, all the double Bs and single Bs that have dropped in price, we probably need to ignore. That's the yeah. stress. So if we dig into this double C to D volume increasing, do you think that it is going to increase further or we probably hit uh, a no. peak in that? Yeah. What do you so think? I, I think the first thing to know is obviously private credit's taken a lot of these lower quality names True. from the public market. So that fall from 11% to 7.6%. And that benefits obviously the euro high yield market because we have a higher quality market effectively. Now, you're kind of the next question, you're, we're, we're getting into the realm of what is our economic forecast on growth, right? What's our forecast on inflation, stagflation and terminal rates? Now, if I, or, yeah, I'm not an economist and we know economists can find it very difficult and I have a high kind of forecasting error. So let's put that out there. So I will say, and our investment team will extrapolate current trends that's going on in real time data. So based on the moment, based on the data at the moment, we have consumer confidence increasing in most countries. We have business sentiment decent. The CapEx cycle is improving, i.e. more expenditure. We have PMI, ISM data, all showing growth. So the hard recession, you know, we can strike that off. There's actually a no landing environment now, probably for the next 12 months. Despite the fact we've got this rate hiking cycle and, and uh, aggressive hawkishness from central banks. So if we extrapolate the data, if we extrapolate Q4 fundamentals, I've been on plenty of management calls over the last month, listening to management outlooks. It reconciles with the data. It reconciles with spreads in the market around 420. So there may be a slight increase in this you know, double C, single D average, but that is not reflective of, of the extrapolation of the data and the current momentum you have in the economy or management teams talking about how they think we're fine with our current capital structure or our margins are okay. So really, the issues for this growth in this default or this distress to default bucket will, will come, unfortunately, from pure idiosyncrasies of businesses that have gone through deep structural change. So businesses that aren't required post-COVID to have as much business or have as much revenue top line and can't cu cut costs. Businesses that have gone through have too much leverage because there's been greedy private equity owners. Again, it was only be one or two of these. And there might be some for more cyclical forces, such as the increase in input costs. But in general, we can't we can't really predict a big jump. It's going to be one or two names that a strong analyst team should be able to weed out from their investment portfolio. Right. On that note, to make Zach happy, we can confirm that the recession probability, like on the Bloomberg terminal, there is a function called ECFC, which gives you all economic forecasts. And there is a recession probability calculator on that, on the top right-hand side for any keen, uh, keen-eyed economist following uh, investor. 
you that probability had has dropped from 80 to 53 percent now so significant drop in recession probability so that blends in with what zach has just said why is it so high still at 53 (laughs) that is because you got a you got a central bank that still needs to hike uh unlike the us uh we are still going to have more rate hikes this year so because of the central bank going multiple 50 rounds this year that probability is still there. So, that's a, so, uh, so the back end of twelve months, the yeah. Bloomberg, the, the Bloomberg computer thinks that possibly the okay, that's fair. Yeah. So this year, I assume you know you don't think, or the Bloomberg economist team don't think there will be a euro recession. I think I think the forecasts. I mean, if you look at the spread of forecasts on the street, it is at worst a skirting recession. Yeah. So and at best, it is growth. Yeah. So. so I, I, that should help our land. And if, if we had this chat in half in a year's time, I do think we would be closer to this. Yeah. This long held out fabled recession. Yes. Because of the tightening of the ECB. Correct. You know, yeah. Correct. Now, to continue the thought of, you know, it will be idiosyncratic names that will be leading the, the default or distress tally. Uh, so let's talk about those names. So we made a list of very low rated names in the double C to D bucket. So obviously we have the Foodco Bondco bond, which is still sitting in the index despite having a D rating. But we have three other names rated C and double C. So Metal Cop is index rated single C, Frigo Glass rated double C, Adler Group, which is also rated double C. So these are the ones that we mentioned having 10 bonds and four and a half billion. But I would also like to add one more name, which is rated triple C minus select a group so if you combine these five five names i think we probably addressed the immediate concern part i think the rest of the names are slightly away from you know falling down the cliff yeah. you know so that brings us to uh, the last story the valuations now valuations of lower rated uh, buckets has had a very impressive uh, turnaround. So with the sell-off in 2022, all lower-rated buckets underperformed. Yeah. Since September, there's been this great compression in credit. So if you look at, you know, every lower-rated rating has compressed relative to higher-rated ratings. Uh, it happened in investment grade, happened in junk. So double B, so triple Bs are too tight to single A's, single B's are too tight to double B's. And if you want to look cross uh, band, double B's are too tight to triple B's. Shockingly, triple C's are the exception. Triple C's are wide to double B's as well as single B's. Any yeah. thoughts on that? It's a it's a funny statement that triple C's possibly present the best value on the on the on the compression stroke decompression because it's funny because triple c's have been the highest year-to-date performers or certainly since december i think triple c's year-to-date are up five six percent perhaps yep so despite the fact you're identifying there could be more juice if the economy doesn't worsen yep and, and that's a fair statement they still they still pay you know despite the compression in the market triple c's pay 13 and a half percent yield plus yeah, it's still significantly it, it wider. It used to be, me. yeah, it used to be around fourteen point eight or so. That has come down to thirteen and a half. Yeah, still thirteen and a half. 
Yeah, I think this just shows the countless opportunities there are for, for professional investors in the triple C bucket. So if yeah. we compare to an ETF that might just buy, you know, X amount that's in the benchmark, their ETF benchmark, you know, an active manager like us at UBS Asset Management will certainly look to the triple C's. You know, we might only select a handful of names or 10 names. We certainly do the in-depth bottom-up analysis and therefore bet and take large conviction bets on these names. So does that lead towards a compression up to the higher rated? We're not sure. We haven't seen it yet, but it certainly means there's low-hanging fruits for active managers to deliver alpha to their clients. Given the work involved in, in analyzing these names, yeah, I mean, I mentioned that, you know, that under triple C and under is just seven and a half percent. Do you guys really need to bother? Because by par, you got the remaining 92 and a half percent. And by market value, it is definitely 95% plus. So if 95% plus is being covered anyway, do do portfolio managers really need to bother about this this yeah. creepier part of the index? I think the answer is a, a definite yes. Um, it's not creepy. The majority of these are very viable businesses that just might have capital structures that have a triple C subordinated bonds. And the majority of them have reasonable cash flows in a normal part of the cycle. But we have to bother because, as you said, 13.5%. And, you know, your IRRs could be even better than that, depending on when you think these bonds get called or taken out. Correct. is extremely attractive versus double Bs trading at 6% or, or inside that. Yeah. So, you know, on a portfolio basis, how do you generate attractive income and carry? You know, you need to dip down to triple C. So the payoff is still the payoff, too enticing for you guys. The payoff is too enticing, especially if you have long term re lending relationships to many of these triple C issuers. Right. You know, we've worked with them for 15, 20 years over three or four cycles. And it's not really a rating thing for us. It's do we trust this business, the management team? Do we understand, can it produce through the cycles, ample cash flow or have access to liquidity? And if it's a yes, yes, yes. You know, I, I don't mind if it's triple C or you know a, a B minus. And our investors don't really mind either. They want us to deliver these attractive risk adjusted returns, you know, ratings aside. Now, when you get to the double C, you identified some names earlier. Yes, that's when you have to start to kind of worry. Right. But again, you will weed those names out and stick to, stick to the ones where, you know, again, viable, strong risk adjusted returns for your portfolio. So, you know, if we were the Asian market, which is 30% triple Cs. So I'm just going to repeat that. Asia high yield is 30% triple Cs. Obviously, a lot of the real estate downgrades. That is a different animal. That's an extremely hard market to get to grips with Correct. and also talk to your investors about. But if we look at U.S. high yield, it's about 10, 11 percent triple C's at the moment. I, That's come down with energy, yeah. energy going from a distressed sector to a performing Correct. sector. It used to be, you know, nearly 20 percent uh, triple C and below. And that has come down thanks to energy. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, that's a slightly easier than it used to be U.S. high yield Correct. in the triple C bucket. But um, so it's certainly interesting, the comparison. But in general, Europe is the safer market yes. it still has the lowest number of triple c's and the highest number of double b's so you know i'm interested to hear what your u.s counterpart would talk about for the u.s default outlook and similar questions it's higher for yeah. sure compared to us it's it's probably double ours right and in terms of the supply um i was asking you the impact of defaults on supply you know we've had no supply this year you speak to many portfolio managers you speak to the market do you think if you do have this pickup in supply that you ref, you ref, uh, pick up in default, sorry, that you referred to earlier, do you think this will impact supply of triple C's? We haven't had many this year. Do you think this is the reason this increase, small increase in double C single D default risks? Right. 
So it, supply has been a very interesting dichotomy uh, this year. One part of the market has been having an absolute bonanza, which is the investment grade market. Investment grade market has had nearly 60% of entire 2022 net supply in just two months. I mean, this is like a record that we've never seen, right? Uh, at a pretty extraordinary pace. This is despite ECB starting quantitative tightening from the 1st of March, rampant supply. While in high yield, the net supply, two months combined, is zero. The index is flat. Now, we can argue is much better than last year because last year the index lost about 30 billion par, right? So not losing any par is progress from that. But if you dig into uh, that by rating, triple C's have lost the most par, hmm. while the triple B's and single A's have gained the most par, both like, you know, 20, 20 billion plus. Triple C's have lost the most par. Why? Some of it is they are not able to borrow because it is, you know, really high yields as we just spoke. It was like 14.8. It's come down to 13 and a half. It's still too high to probably borrow. That's one. Yeah. And two, there have been some downgrades. So there are all these double C to D names that we've just talked about. Yeah. So this four and a half billion drop is showing up as negative net supply yeah. in triple C. So in one way, uh, triple C's are sort of getting cleansed, so to say, yeah. right? You're not going to get a double C to D issuance, right? Not possible. So triple C volume dropping uh, is not necessarily a negative sign. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a positive sign that, that that part of the index is getting cleansed, which right. which brings us to like flows. It's, well, it's all, before it's also, you need to ask your journal, journalistic colleagues, when will private equity buyouts in Europe suddenly increase. We know they've got the dry powder. So this would be your typical supply, new new issue supply in order would be from that market. I can tell you. obviously very quiet at the moment. I can tell you, we, we cover leverage loans as well. So today we published our leverage loan monthly. And what has been happening, we are rallying by the way, despite rally, we are not seeing M&A based issuance in leverage loans. So there is some supply, but that supply, you know, is general corporate, yeah. uh, refinancing, you know, that sort of issuance. We are not seeing the traditional sponsor-based M&A related issuance in leverage loans, which means probably because high yield sits under loans and they generally come together, yeah. you're not going to get sponsor-based issuance in high yield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to the our last topic, flows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think flows have turned. Flows flows have turned marginally. What do you think? So finally, if we look at the last three months, December to the end of February, we have seen increase in flows into your high yield. I think the largest three-month period going back, I think going back to pre-COVID. Uh, and this is on a mutual fund basis and not, not including ETFs. However, we're yet to really see a, a significant uptick in inflows into the, into the euro high yield, the sub-investment grade bond market. You know, we can identify a few things that have happened over the last structural drivers that have happened over the last four or five years. The growth of private credit, the massive growth of CLO and CLO tranches and also sister leverage loan funds has meant investors have had alternative ways to access high yield and higher yielding returns. 
know, in general, going forward, we do think that many investors are, are tapped out on their private allocation to private credit. We also think, and from our clients, we understand that they that they believe the liquidity or they realize now, you know, the CLO tranche liquidity is not there. The leveraged loan liquidity is never going to be the same as a public bond market. Mm. So we're starting to see indications that clients are actually more comfortable, maybe possibly going back into the euro high yield or the US high yield market for that uh, instance as well. Um, there's other things. So flows will follow performance, euro high yields. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mahesh, it's the best performing bond market uh, at the moment in Europe uh, May, and certainly marginally better than the thank US high yield. The, thank the Bund for that because uh, unlike investment grade, which is which gets hammered, yeah. whenever the Bund curve goes up or inverts, as is happening right now, we are a bit cautioned because we're very front-ended. We are much shorter duration and as yeah. a result, High yield sort of semi escaped from yeah. that uh, yeah. boom route. So, so flows will follow performance. So we're starting to see, wow, well, euro high yields up you know, three and a half, four percent year to date. And this is through lots of rate volatility. When you juxtapose that or you combine that with the ECB solidarity, ECB toolkit is larger than ever. It's much easier than during the eurozone crisis. I think investors are starting to warm up to actually this is a low default environment. The growth outlook's okay. Um, the ECB is extremely supportive uh, and certainly more supportive due to its toolkit than in the Eurozone crisis, you know, 11 to 16. We certainly think that the flows we've observed over the last three months can continue. Uh, and that's also driven by just the risk reward nature of the asset class. We have lower volatility than investment grade now for quite a long time, actually. And we're generating I, high, high annual high coupons, which give high break evens. I think I think that's a high yield PM totally loving his asset class <laughs> and that, that is true by the way because investment grade has been very whippy and to you know to add more substance to what zachary has just said we have a uh, investor survey and in the survey it has been very clear that until the third quarter investment grade was being dominant over high yield as you know we had the you know the russian crisis and the sell off in 2022 but since Q1, we've seen a turnaround in investor opinion and in high yield has reached and sort of even crossed investment yeah. grade in terms of we have a question. Do you prefer investment grade or high yield in Europe? So high yield has already aged, right. uh, aged investment grade. And I'm expecting if the boom stays this whippy, we'll probably see more. Yeah. Uh, shift towards high yield. Any further uh, questions? Yeah, Zach? I mean, just on that last point, um, you know, we've been through two major shocks, whether it's COVID, whether it's the war in Ukraine, yeah, and all credit asset classes in Europe have come through. They come through relatively well. Total return obviously was terrible last year, yeah, but in terms of the fundamental outlook, it certainly isn't as bad, or it's not necessarily better. So again, I think we have a reasonably benign. Uh, market environment to invest in we would love to see more supply you spoke about that so if yeah. you can do some you know pitching to the banks and the private equity companies to bring supply you know we we would love and relish some more triple c's and single b bonds as well yeah so yeah i think uh yeah thank you zach uh i think supply is coming but it is not going to be in the realm of investment grade right. investment grade is having a great run because 
uh, coupons are attractive without taking default risk. Yeah. You see, investment grade now pays three and three point seven to four point three percent, depending on which rating. Yeah. And that gets too difficult to pass. Yeah. So yep. that's fair. So on that note, we conclude uh, this episode of uh, Credit Crunch. I hope all of you have enjoyed it. Please visit our dashboard BISTRTE on the terminal uh, for all default data and other data like, you know, what I mentioned in terms of supply, leverage loans, bond index fundamentals, the high yield survey, uh, and so on and so forth. We'll be back with you uh, in our next episode two weeks hence with another guest. Thank you and uh, for and please follow our uh, our stream. Thank you.